everybody. Welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. It's been a couple weeks. How you been doing, uh, man? I've been doing pretty well. It has been a couple weeks. I think technically, if we were sticking to uh, the schedule that we had hoped um, hoped for, we would have recorded last week. But it was Thanksgiving week. I was out of town. I think you had you had stuff going on as well. So, oh yeah, it was it was a busy week. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that we would have been able to make one in that week, but. Hopefully now that we've got, I think we've got like two episodes. Well, the next week's episode will be releasing this coming Saturday. So we should be able to record next week. And that way we'll have, you know, it won't be Almighty Monday. Well, yeah, yeah no, it will be. We'll have two Mondays back to back, won't we? We'll have two two Mondays yeah. back to back. And then we are already um, tossing around a couple of other filler episode ideas. So if you're following the Twitter, you you might be aware of one of the ones that we've, we've been yakking about. I haven't been... Uh, secret about it or anything but uh I, I want to point you to the twitter uh anyway at at almighty pod <laughs> you keep up with some of the ideas that we're toying around with and you'll see when we're asking for your ideas we're, we're listening out there we want you guys to participate and, and help shape and make this podcast yeah yeah definitely so what have you been into man anything fun these last few weeks you know i haven't been terribly nerdy last couple of weeks um work has has eaten up a lot of my time um adam and i have come to grow um in a a new nerdy obsession with this dragon ball idol game yes Um, oh yeah so that that might be the most nerdy thing that i've done over the past couple weeks besides like watch the mandalorian which is banging on all cylinders as far as i'm concerned yeah i haven't gotten to watch any of it yet uh i'm actually off the rest of the week so i'm planning on taking maybe an hour or two and catching the first few episodes I'm kind of bummed. I see a lot of memes from it that are like totally seem spoiler heavy and it doesn't seem like the world cares that there are people not watching it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I've been kind of tag teaming or sharing responsibilities for doing like recaps and reviews for nerds on earth. Um, I'm on, I'm on deck this week actually for episode five. Um, So if you're watching the show and you know, recaps are always nice to read. If you aren't terribly into those you skip down and kind of see us kind of dig into some of the lore and the background information and provide new details and speculate kind of like what we do with the almighty podcast except with star oh, that's wars cool. that's cool um and in a textual format so nerdsonearth.com uh as soon usually the day that the episode releases will will push that post so you don't have to wait too long in fact we got we got some accolades from some of our um some of our readers uh not this past week but the week before because i couldn't sleep so i watched the episode at like 4 a.m and the post was live before most people were awake that day and uh so they were kind of complaining because they were like nobody else has had time to watch it except for you and i was like i know but you could just right, yeah. come back to it exactly later, yeah you know, it's not going anywhere well i'll tell you man i've been playing uh the outer worlds uh finally picked that one up have you heard of that one it's it's fun uh, I i'm playing through as rick sanchez from rick and morty so i do this thing whenever i play open world games like I have to design the characters to look and act like another person from another like video game or movie or something. So I did Mass Effect. I, that Mass Effect's one of my favorite series of all time. And I played all three of those games uh, as if I was Captain Picard from Star Trek. So, you know, you make the decisions like, what would Captain Picard do? And, and so I've been doing that with Outer Worlds and playing as Rick from Rick and Morty, and it's been a lot of fun. That is fun. I, I, I didn't, when I played like video game RPGs, I never did that. But when I play tabletop RPGs, I usually do cast my characters after somebody you know fictional that uh, i'm familiar with it helps me shape like how to role play them and like you sure. were saying like what decisions they might make actions they might take things like that so that, i think Definitely. it's a good habit i've also written a post about casting your character for nerds on earth at some point 
one of my favorite ones that we did, uh, Hannah's dad is real big into just surviving out in the wild and stuff like that. And so Ooh, me too, we'd get along. Oh yeah. You guys would be like best friends. Uh, but I decided to play fallout four as her dad. So <laughs> we spent like an hour where we designed him and fallout four and everything. And then and it was just a lot of fun. Like we had a really good time that with us. That sound like fun. I, I got, I got behind on the, my hero stuff during our, our hiatus. Um, I actually didn't get around to watching these two episodes until like a couple of days ago. So, Oh wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just, because I didn't have that deadline, you know, of we're going to record and because I wasn't at home and was, you know, around people a little bit more often, you know, I live by myself. So when I'm at somebody else's house, I can't just like slip into another room or, or at least I, I could, but it would feel rude if I was just like, leave me alone. I got to go watch a nerdy television show. <laughs> For you sure. Know? Be well, quiet. To be- to be fair, I didn't watch them until like an hour or two before we were going to record today. So I was the same way. Uh, but yeah. I've seen people in our Discord are watching and, and it seems like they're talking about it independently without the show, which is really cool. Uh, I've had to actually avoid the channel to stay away from spoilers. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, and I, I like that that conversation has taken place. Um, we, You and I have been kind of quiet in the Discord lately, but it, it's just because of busyness and, and absence. Yeah, um, definitely. But now that I'm sitting back at my desk doing my real day job, um, you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit more active. I think I posted once or twice in there the last couple of days and I've been back on Twitter. And uh, so it's, it's been fun. I'm, I'm glad to get back to recording. I missed it. Uh, I'm excited that we get to do this two, maybe three weeks in a row, depending on how quickly we can get to some of this filler stuff. And um, let's jump into it, man. Let's talk about episode 68 and 69. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive right into episode 68. Man, this was a crazy awesome episode. I really, really liked this episode a lot. 69 was okay, but 68 was a great episode to pick back up after not having watched some My Hero for a couple days or a couple weeks, really, you know? I agree. And it was a Midoriya less episode, which isn't necessarily yeah. like a positive thing, but you know me. Like I've said it a bunch before, I like that My Hero isn't the story about just Midoriya. I like that other characters get their time in the, in the limelight and in the. Uh, you know, in focus and getting their own development. And um, this is this is very much a Kirishima episode here, episode 68. It is very Kirishima-centric, uh, but it actually starts out with kind of a scene with Uravity and Froppy, or uh, Chaco and uh, Sue. You know, we've got this really cool opening scene where there are these two villains that are actually fighting off, and they look like they were, like, giant villains, because they look like they were as tall as some of those buildings. Yeah, they. I think it, the police or somebody starts shouting about how they both have gigantification quirks, which is, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's another category. I don't know what that falls under those categories. Honestly, I don't even remember what the categories of the quirks are anymore. So we're just gonna yeah, move I on. I remember that we. I feel like there were three, but then we found like five online. Yeah, and even a match <laughs> was in the show. So who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah, so they've got these two giants fighting off. The cops are trying to swarm in, and of course they call in the heroes to help out. And it's, uh, what was her name? I'm trying to think. I've got, let me pull up. Najiri Hado. That's right, Hado. So we saw her a little bit in last season. She was at the end there. And uh, once she showed up, she brings in Sue and Froppy, and they've got some awesome combo moves where, like, Sue basically, I said Sue and Froppy. Those are the same people. You did. Yeah, well, we're going to keep going. <laughs> it's Achako and Sue. Uh, but Achako uses her gravity quirk to, like, loosen up some rocks, and then Sue uses her tongue and, basically like uses it like a shotgun i mean she just throws all these pellets at these ga- bad guys and brings them down it was pretty cool man like some awesome teamwork did you catch the name of their super move no i didn't it is called the meteor fafrotskis <laughs> do you know what a fafrotski is <laughs> no idea it's a real thing i had to look this really? up i don't just know what a fafrotski is and it might okay. be a fafrat fafrot skies i don't know but anyway it's precipitation of objects from the sky that are not normally expected 
So huh. it's rocks in this case. Well, that's that actually, I guess, matches her uh, special move that she did against Bakugo in the tournament. Yep, but now it has a cool name, Fafrotskis. Fafrotskis, something. It's pretty cool. I like that. I it was very, pretty neat. Yeah, when they came up with that name, I was like, are they just making up words? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> and so I Googled it immediately. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes some sense. What's even more interesting is listed up, up under like common things that fall under the Fafrotsky category is frogs, which is, you know, appropriate enough. That is appropriate. That's int- I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where frogs fell from the sky, though. Me neither. I'm sure it's a rare thing. I mean, I sharks sharks probably happen a little bit more frequently. Who knows? <laughs> Well, you know, I got to say, one of the coolest things about this little bit here was that they introduced a new pro hero, uh, the Dragoon hero, Ryukyu. Yeah, Ryukyu. Ryukyu. I thought she was really cool. I mean, she looks awesome. She does look super cool. And I'm assuming that she turns into a dragon. I mean, she can't just have these weird, are those dragon wings on the back of her head part of her costume? Are they part of her physiology? I'm unsure. I like to think that's just her day-to-day look, man. I mean, if you're the Dragoon hero, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta have a pretty cool, normal day-to-day look. Like, she doesn't just go out in jeans and a t-shirt. I hope she turns into a dragon, because that, that would, would be, be a dope quirk. But, that I mean, but I don't, I don't know how it would look, or how it would work. I don't do know. Do you well, think she uses, like, a polearm, like all the Dragoons do, in, or, like, in the Final Fantasy series? I, I never played Final Fantasy anything. Oh, wow. You're a loser. I know. That's why I said it all sad. <laughs> I knew you were going to hate on me. You who like play it while you're editing. I'm like, I've, never, I, I've, gotten, I've gotten by for what, 30 something episodes without you knowing my deepest secret that I oh, knew you man. were going to ostracize me for. And now it's happening. AMP's over now, I guess. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> this is the end of our relationship right here. It's the end of it, man. I got to say, that's pretty, like, I mean, those games have been out since like the 80s. You got to try one. I know. I know. I'm sure. Maybe I'll get around right. to it. I'm shaking well, my head, though. Anyway, <laughs> well, the Dragoons normally carry, like, lances, so I imagine she's got to have some kind of cool lance quirk. Uh, at least I think that would be kind of neat. Maybe she, maybe it's going to, maybe I'm going to be really disappointed in all she does is, like, breathe fire, and she just looks kind of cool like a dragon. Who knows? Well, I'm sure we'll yeah. find out. Cause she, the, yeah, we have to. She's number nine, so she's got to be right. dope somehow. Right, yeah, she's got to be pretty awesome. Uh, but she actually tells the people that are working under her through the work studies, which are, I guess it's just Sue... And Achako and Hado. I didn't see anyone else there. Yeah, so uh, but she explains that they're going to team up with Sir Night Eye. That they're going to look into the Shia Hasake, and uh, that they're kind of all coming together to to try and figure out what's going on with these guys. So, yeah, and that's the, what she's alluding to. She's like, "You guys will be particularly useful in that matter." Um, and then that matter is the subject of the entirety of episode sixty nine. Um, so we're we're just going to shelve that and move on to. Uh, the next scene, they they transition kind of away from that and towards the meeting that I think was the cliffhanger of the last episode where um, yeah. Shigaraki walks in um, and sits down across from Chisaki uh, and inside of their little cool Yakuza hideout. And so we get to, we get to see what, what goes down in that meeting here next. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, I keep calling him Overhaul, but his name's Chisaki, uh, and I think Overhaul is his actual quirk. I th- yeah, or it's a, it could be his bad guy name too. Like that's that's true. you know, like that's true. H- heroes' names. I mean, I call him Overhaul more often than not, but for some reason in this space in my notes, I had him down as Chisaki. Sure, I think from here on out we'll just call him Overhaul. Uh, yeah, but Overhaul and Shigaraki are hanging out talking, and it's kind of interesting because Shigaraki is pretty much just laying down law. He's just like you know, like hey, this is what I want. We're gonna be equal partners. 
Uh, I want you to, you know, pretty much be on even footing with me or I'm out of here. And, and not only that, but I want to know the grand plan details. You know, you keep talking about having this grand plan you want to implement. Well, I wanted to know every single bit of it. And he, he reaches into his jacket to pull out something. And the moment that he does, uh, a guy named Corono and Mimic are literally on him in seconds. I mean, it is like they've got guns to his head uh, and, and Mimic has got some like weird flesh blade super thing. jacked oh yeah i couldn't tell it happened so fast in the anime i've got the manga in my hand now and it looks like this giant hulk arm erupts out of his neck hole well and whenever he started to talk he he got real deep voiced in this scene which makes me think if you'll remember a couple of episodes ago whenever the league of villains and the shia sakai got into that fight there was like a super beefy looking guy that was backing up overhaul and I mm-hmm. think that that's Mimic. I think he has some sort of quirk that allows him to, like, grow in size or something. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he, in th- the, the manga panel is disconcerting. It, he just has this giant muscly arm that comes out from, like, where his trachea is, it looks like. Um, and then the other guy just has a gun. So I have no clue what this guy's quirk is. But his name is Chrono or Chronostasis. And so oh, maybe cool. I'm assuming he's going to be some sort of time manipulator. I'm just guessing. Well, I feel like whenever they were fighting with each other a couple episodes back, uh, Overhaul called for like one of his minions and there was a gunshot that went off. So I wonder if he, if you're right, he has some sort of time manipulation quirk. That would be pretty neat. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find. I mean, most of the, some of these hero and villain names, they're on the 10, you know, like yeah, this guy, yeah. Chrono being in there is, he's going to be time something. That's not like, listen, it's, it's, uh, it's the naming convention that we've come to to know and somewhat love from Horikoshi, right? Absolutely, so. absolutely. But I mean, they kind of put Shigaraki in this place because they're like, "Hey, stop talking like you own the place." You know, like who you're nobody here, and and that's when uh, Shigaraki pulls out this little dart, and he wants to know what the dart's all about, and, and it kind of you know we'll talk about it real quick now. But they're talking about how this was the dart that I think it was. Uh, oh, what's his name? The guy that can shrink people into little like balls. Compress. Compress, yeah. It was Compress that got shot by it. And whenever yeah. he was shot by it, his quirk stopped working. And that's when we kind of transition out over to really the bulk of this episode where we're now with Amajiki from last season, who was uh, Hato and Mirio's uh, partner at the end of last season, and Red Riot, who you know obviously is Kirishima. And they're working with probably one of my new favorite pro heroes, whose name is Fat Gum. Yeah. He looks He's like awesome. He looks like my neighbor Totoro or like a yeah. Russian nest, nesting doll a little bit. Totally. And as far as I can tell, it looks like his quirk is just that he can absorb things. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of what, how they describe it is he could just suck things into his fat. Yeah, that's what I think. And it's pretty awesome. Like, I really thought he was a fun character. And he's kind of like he kind of has All Might's personality almost this real gung ho. Like, let's just get in there and take care of it, you know? Yeah, I um I posted as the um trivia Tuesday for today actually that the English voice actor for Fat Gum is the same voice actor for Gohan and Dragon Ball Z and Super and all that stuff. Really? Yeah. And oh, that's Do you so not cool. follow us on Twitter? I mean, <laughs> I definitely do, but my Twitter game has been weak lately. I gotcha. Man. Yeah the the <laughs> other the other part of that tweet was that the English voice actor for Bubble Girl is the voice actor for Videl and for um, young Goten and, and Z and Super and all that stuff as well. That's really cool. I've always thought like voice acting would be a really fun job to have, but if you're a voice actor that has two characters that interacts with each other, 
Yeah. It, I mean, that's just impressive, especially when it's pulled off so well. And there, there are definitely scenes where Videl and Goten are like together. In fact, in the tweet, I included a gif where Gohan, Videl, and Goten are all in the same spot. Oh, yeah, because there's a point in time where Gohan like tries to teach all of them how to fly at the same time. Right. So right. I know that they've all been together. Uh, we've been, this is totally a sidetrack, but uh, we've been watching Dragon Ball Z Kai, and we were, were watching Dragon Ball Z, and we made the transition around the time that Goku's on Snake Way. And the voice actors for Gohan are completely different. Yep. It's and disconcerting it really threw to me. me off. Oh yeah. my gosh, I know. I don't like it. I'm like, that's not my Gohan. I, I feel the same way. I haven't watched that much Kai in part because of that. But I also have heard a lot of people say that it's better in Kai. So I, I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyways, let's get back to my hero. <laughs> so the Kirishima is kind of talking about, he's kind of struggling with where he is in relation to the rest of Class 1A. He feels like there's this growing gap between him and some of his classmates, and he wants to close it. I think in his words, it was something like, I really just want to be able to stand next to them or be equal with them, something like that. Um, but as he's saying this, somebody yells that there's a fight, and there's this crowd of, I mean, fairly sharp-dressed dudes um, running through the streets um, in their general direction. And I think my understanding is that those were actually members of the Yakuza. Uh, in the subtitled version that I'm watching on Funimation anyways, it called them Yakuza thugs. Are they, does that necessarily make them Shie Hasaikai though? Or are there multiple I don't think so. Yakuza? I think, I think Yakuza and the Shie Hasaikai are completely different clans okay. or organizations because they're not really clans. That, I thought Shie Hasaikai was like a specific group of Yakuza. Like Yakuza is like a general category. Shie Hasaikai would be like a subcategory. That may be, that may be true. Like I could definitely see that. They may just be two, like same, two sides of the same coin, I think is what you yeah. would say. Yeah, you're probably right. Or they could be, I mean, I don't, I didn't get the sense that they were Shie Saikai. Um, they certainly didn't have the aesthetic. They had a very no. different aesthetic. They had these weird, like, lines over their eyes, all of them did. Oh, yeah, yeah. They um, were definitely part of the same organized crime, but I, they, I don't think they were part of the Shie gotcha. Saikai. So. Yeah. So they, they run straight into fat gum, and a bunch of them just get ab absorbed, I guess. Um, but one of them has a, a quirk that's kind of like edges, the, like, paper cut ninja guy. Who still, yeah. I think, has one of the scariest quirks in existence well, until until next episode. Let me tell you, man, <laughs> you you have a thing for whales where you're like, yeah. whales are the thing that scares me most. There's something in, and we're, we're, I'm going to table it for now because we're in episode 68. There's something in episode 69 that is like, you are to whales what I am to this thing. And we're going to talk oh, about I'm it. Oh, I'm interested. I'm interested in that. Okay. Well, I, the one thing I thought was interesting about this guy is that Fat Gum even makes the mention of like, oh, yeah, that's just like Ed Shot's quirk. So it's kind of another, it made me think, like, I wonder, and I know this is just me being crazy, but it made me wonder if, like, there is some sort of genetic uh, resemblance between people that have the same quirks. Like, if they did, like, a 23 and me, how far apart would they be on the genetic scheme? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, second cousins? I mean, we know that quirks are built up off of the combination of two people's quirks, right? So, like, yeah. I would think that some of this would have to be genetics. Could be. I mean, distant relatives, that kind of thing? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not sense. saying that they're, they're brothers, but it would just right. be, it would be interesting to see how far apart those two would be related, you know, down a genetic line or like a family tree or something. I'm, I'm really proud of you because usually you do accuse everybody of being brothers if they bear any kind of resemblance. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be a little bit more sensical this time. <laughs> so, so the, the one that has Edge Shot's powers or Edge's powers slips out and he's grabbed by Amajiki's tentacles, like these tentacles erupt out of Amajiki's hands. Yeah, that was totally unexpected. 
Yeah, well, we had no idea what this dude's quirk is, but we learn here because he reels him in with these tentacles and then he smacks him in the face with a giant clamshell that has yeah. his little weird finger stub sticking out of the end, which I thought <laughs> was, was a very unnecessary visual. Like, why not just make your whole hand a clam, I guess? Yeah. Um, well, and so, doesn't he have some sort of weird quirky like saying where he's like, well, clams are really good at defense. I try to keep them in my diet every day. Like, yeah, he, really yeah, he does. He's like, yeah, I try to have clams every day. And in the manga, it like breaks down what he's had this whole day. So he's had takoyaki, um, which makes me think of the scene from, is it Resurrection? And No, is it, is it Battle of Gods? The one where uh, Vegeta gets all like anxious about Beerus visiting and he makes a bunch yeah. of takoyaki. Yeah, that yeah, scene yeah. is so freaking funny. <laughs> it is. It's um, really good. So uh, every time I hear takoyaki, I think about Vegeta being all like super peppy cook about it. And it's really you know, funny. What it sounds like is that we need a Dragon Ball Z podcast. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we do. I mean, the whole idea behind this one was born from a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You're not wrong. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, so we find out that the quirk that this guy has is named Manifest. And his body can take on the properties of whatever he eats. So, like, I guess because he's eaten that meal today, he's able to produce the squid-like arms, and then he's able to produce the clam-like hand, and he also has wings, and I'm not sure what he got the wings from, but he has chicken feet because he yep. ate some fried chicken. Fried chicken was also the source of the wings, I believe. But they didn't look like chicken wings, and chickens know. can't really fly. I mean, maybe they were just for decoration. I don't know. Maybe, don't know. maybe he just manifested... I don't even... Why did he have the chicken feet? I mean, that seems That's like true. a weird thing to spawn, too. Maybe he... Well, was anxious and I don't know because I was gonna say maybe he was anxious and got a little overexcited and lost control of his quirk for a second. But Fat Gum goes out of the way to talk about how in control of his quirk he actually is. Right, right, yeah. That's like one of his specialties is that he is in very good control of his quirk. So yeah, I don't know. I just maybe the chicken feet were there because if he needed to grab somebody, it'd be a lot more shocking if it was like a chicken <laughs> talon than if it was a human hand. Why is his name Sun Eater though? I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty cool name, though. Like, if I was a villain and I heard, like, oh, Sun Eater's here, I'd be like, all right, let's leave, you know? Yeah, I, I'll have to think about that one, because I've, I've thought about it for, you know, all of, like, 20 seconds at one point, and I was just like, why? No? I mean, I get the eater part. Sure. But why the Sun Eater? Anyway. Well, um, so I had a question for you. What okay. would you think his quirk would have looked like if he had been a vegetarian? Oh, I don't know. Do you think he would, oh, like, man. sprout all broccoli Oh, man, all this stuff leaves? is meat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's all meat-related, so... That's I was just question. thinking, I'm like, I wonder if he was vegetarian or vegan or something, like, if he had, like, tofu fingers, you know, <laughs> like... Yeah, that'd be gross. <laughs> right? I don't yeah, know, or he could a... pull grapes from his head. Sure. He'd be like, him and Mineta could be, like, best friends. They could be besties. Yeah. yeah. Not that I... Mineta's never going to have a bestie. I'm going no. on record. Well, I don't know. I think him and Sarah are pretty close. Uh, I, well, I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, we, after we kind of get an idea on what Amajiki's quirk is, we transition back over to Shigaraki, who is discussing this dart with uh, Overhaul and how, you know, Compress's quirk stopped working after he was hit with this dart. And Amajiki is, it's this really cool scene where they're kind of going back and forth. Uh, but the Amajiki and Fat Gum and Red Riot are all standing there. And one of the Yakuza clan members is in the middle of the crowd and he's like freaking out. And he says something like, oh, man, I got to save my brothers. And he pulls out a gun to shoot the heroes. And when he does, Amajiki stands right in front of Fat Gum to protect him. And he gets hit. And then another shot goes off. And Red Riot stands up and, like, hardens, protects both of them, and runs after this guy. And it's crazy because as he starts to run away, Amajiki's like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, try to use my tentacle hands to just grab this dude. 
and he can't actually produce the tentacles. Like his quirks just completely stopped working. Yeah, and in the parallel scene with Shigaraki and Overhaul, Shigaraki's asking, "Well, what are, what's the deal with these darts? What do you plan on doing with them? What do they do?" And Overhaul's answer is, "I'm going to destroy the way things are." They say that all for one stole quirks to gain power, so I'm taking that method and changing it up a bit. Um, I'm fine tuning his method a little. I think is how he says it in the uh, in the anime. Yeah, and um, so you get, you know, the sense that whatever is in that dart is able of at least uh, stunting or or temporarily um, incapacitating a quirk, and it's so effective and shocking that Fat Gum is like, is Eraser here? Like when Sun Eater's like, I can't use my quirk. That's Fat Gum's first response and i think that becomes a little important when we find out what fat gum used to be involved with like when it comes to the quirk drug scene um because later on he talks about how he's he used to be all up in that business of just stopping quirk drug sales but all of the drugs that he's familiar with enhanced quirks uh like supercharged them for a short time so he's he doesn't know what this is because it's brand new like he's never heard or seen of anything like this and this is going to be eventually part of what um no is is it it's not yeah it comes up in the meeting in 69 that's right yeah yeah he definitely mentions it in the meeting i'm pretty sure so then kirishima takes off after this guy um the the thug that shot the bullet chases him down into this alley and corners him and the guy starts crying pretty much. Um, yeah, he turns into a big baby like immediately. Yeah. And Kirishiba gets close. He's, he's kind of, I mean, not concerned, but he's like, well, if you, know, if you don't want to get in trouble, then don't shoot heroes. Um, right. And yeah, because he's talking about how like his, you know, he's like, I just wanted to have a really powerful quirk and I wanted to be better. I wanted to be like all my friends that have these cool quirks, you know, and, and I just wanted to hang out with them and be better at being a villain, basically. And, and Kirishima's like, well, how about this? If you don't have a good quirk, don't be a villain. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he's just kind of throwing it in his face. It was, it was a good scene. I liked it. So what this guy's able to do, this, this thug, is manifest the, the sharp, pointy bits of Batman's uh, van braces. Yeah, uh, pretty you much. Know how he's got those like three little pointy bits um, like on, the, on his sleeves, kind of. Um, and he's all bummed because he's like, oh, I've got this quirk that just lets me pull out blades that are only 10 centimeters long, which is... Apparent, according to this, it's as long as a box cutter is, so not all that intimidating, apparently. So it doesn't do anything to Kirishima's hardening. And so this guy grows even more frustrated and desperate and manifests this thing down his sleeve. Like this vial rolls down his sleeve and he immediately injects it into his neck. Um, and it causes he, his quirk to just start going absolutely nuts. It looks kind of like Moonfish's quirk, except that's the blades were like too. coming out all over. Yeah. And of, in fact, I even had a kind of a theory here because whenever he takes this drug, like I would say his quirk easily, what, a hundredfold, like hands down a hundred percent stronger than it was. Right. Oh, probably, probably more than that. I mean, if you're talking just like multiplication, I think it's a lot bigger than that. Cause these blades don't seem to have a, a limit, an no. extended limit at all. That's true. That's true. But it made me think that whenever he injects it and it, he first has this sign of the fact that his quirk is stronger now. Did you see that weird, like, creepy smile on his face? Like, he looked like he just went nuts. Yeah. I, I think it wonder... does mess with their brains, too. That definitely seemed to be a side effect, because his whole personality exactly. and demeanor changes when he takes like, this immediately, drug. immediately, yeah. And so my first thought was Moonfish, just like you said. And I was thinking, like, 
what if Moonfish was maybe someone that was a, a someone that got experimented on? You know what I mean? Because we know he escaped a mental hospital. So how likely is it that his quirk originally was that his teeth grow like you know a couple inches or something, and then someone experimented on him with this drug and it landed him in the loony bin? But also he's got this crazy strong quirk now. Well, it's because they're brothers, duh. Oh well, obviously that that obviously. makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> you so know where I was guy, going with this one. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was going to save our listeners some time on this one. <laughs> so these blades just start erupting out of literally everywhere. Like there's one that is very uncomfortably projecting straight out of his eyeball, and it looks super gross. Like it made me uncomfortable to look at it. Yeah, um, me too. Because it's just erupted straight out of the middle of his eyeball. Um and it manages to actually cut through Kirishima's like baseline hardening, I guess. Um and so he Kirishima in the middle of this battle kind of has this flashback um where he's kind of taken inventory with some of the other boys in the uh in class one A and he's just like, listen, I don't have a move that'll let me stand my own against people that have like mid to long range. And, you know, like, all I can do is, like, basically just rush in. And I really like what Bakugo says here. Bakugo looks at him because he's, Kirishima is basically like, I'm just a mess of weaknesses. Everyone's looking to go pro, but I'm back here just trying to figure out how I'm going to keep up. Yeah, because he mentions that, like, when all of you guys are pro, I'll probably just be, like, a normal low-level hero. Yeah. But Bakugo points out, he starts talking about All Might at the end of the battle in Kamino with All for One. And, and he, he just says, listen, like, just to be able to stand through anything makes you crazy strong. And so that kind of, tr- I don't know if it triggers something in Kirishima, but it, I don't even know if it motivates him. Because it, it's weird. I think he, Kirishima has had experience with this unbreakable form off panel somewhere because he knows how long he can maintain it. Sure. Um, but he, he also is remembering too, and th- this might be in just a second where all for one is just like, dude, just be a bull in a China shop. You just got to charge, man. That's what you're good at. And so Kirishima goes through this transformation of sorts that he calls the unbreakable form. And it is the coolest freaking thing I've seen in this entire show. Yeah. He looks super, super awesome. And I was going to say real quick, I love the fact that we get this moment with Bakugo. I mean, it shows how much his character has evolved since episode one. Because I can't imagine episode one Bakugo being like, hey, dude, you're a hero. You know what I mean? Like totally lifting up a friend. Well, are they friends? I think, I think so. Oh, OK. Well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just like, as I was reading it, I was like, I really appreciate what Bakugo is saying here. But dang it, if it wasn't Bakugo, you know, I was like, of course, it had to be Bakugo. It's just sure. feeding, yeah. feeding <laughs> that, uh, that, that particular ship on the Internet. That's true. Um, that's true. But doesn't mean that it isn't. A, a meaningful conversation that took place. Sure. Um, but yeah, you're so totally Kira- right. I mean, he, he looks freaking wicked in this. Like he's all jagged looking and his teeth are like super long now. I mean, he, he looked really cool. He looks a lot like something that, um, shoot, what's the name? Uh, Todd McFarlane. He looks like a Todd McFarlane character. Oh, now. totally like a spawn character. Almost. Yeah. Like yeah, something out of spawn. Definitely. That's what he looks like. Yeah. That's cool. That's a good reference. I like that. It is super cool. Like, don't tell Aizawa this. It used to be that my lock screen and my home screen on my phone were both, like, Aizawa picks. Now one of them is this. One of them is this unbreakable form, because it is dope looking. It's I so think, cool. I think that's clearly acceptable. <laughs> I hope he would be okay with that. Um, so then the, the thug just starts blasting, like, this fire hose stream of blades, just, like, straight out of his gut um, at Kirishima, who just does what All Might told him to and just runs straight through all this stuff. It looks so stinking cool. 
and he gets yeah. in close enough and just punches this dude in the gut. One hit KO. I think he calls it something too. Yeah, red. he does. Red gun turret. Red gun turret. That's <laughs> like it. it's so cool. It seems like a move. Oh, you wouldn't get the reference. But for all you listeners out there, <laughs> it seems like an awesome Barrett move from Final Fantasy VII. Like, I mean, he has this like uh, basically barrel gun for a hand, you know, and he punches people with it. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, man, it was so cool to watch. This is it's not this, this isn't anywhere close to like being like the coolest episode. But as far as like visuals are concerned, this is this is pretty high high ranking for me. Definitely, yeah. No, it was it was really animated really well. Uh, and you know, once this thug gets knocked out, he's back on his knees crying again, and and he's talking about like how he he didn't mean to or or whatever. And of course, poor Kirishima is trying to sympathize with this guy, and is like, "Hey, it's okay. <laughs> like, just come on with me. Like, you know, you're you're done here. There's no need to talk. You don't have to cry about it." And it, he basically tricks Kirishima and tries to get away. And as he is like shooting himself past Kirishima and is out the window, Fat Gum pops up and just absorbs him and like lands on top of him. I really like in the in the manga how this scene between Kirishima and this guy goes down because Kir- Kirishima is just like, I get how you feel though. A while back, I and then this guy just says, I don't give a crap about your sob story, you moron. And then he <laughs> yeah. just blasts out of there with sword shooting out of his back. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, I mean, super it was great. so great. Uh, and. <laughs> We get this really cool scene. Like, I'm really interested in seeing where this goes because we're developing some story for Kirishima that we, I mean, as far as I'm yeah. aware, we had no idea that this was anything at all. Uh, but he's he's being thanked by all of the people around him that he just saved because this is what they call his debut fight. And so there are all these people that are like, hey, what's your name? Like, I, I want to know who you are, you know? And he's telling them like, oh, I'm Red Riot. And they're like, oh, we'll never forget that name, which you got to be honest, it's a pretty cool name and it totally mm-hmm. fits him. So... But he has this moment where he's like bowing and he's thanking them for appreciating him and recognizing him as a hero, not just some kid at UA. And he has this flashback where it's like, I don't really know what the scenario or the situation it is, but it sounds like he didn't help somebody when he should have or could have. Yeah, and I now, just have written down in my notes, he says, why didn't I go? Yeah. Or something along those lines. In, in, in the this... English version, he said, why didn't I help? Ah, and that, that is not anywhere in the manga. Up to this point, at least this this flashback scene, whatever really? it is, yeah, it that is the one that's the one panel. Like as soon as you start talking about, it, I was like, oh yeah, because I've got the manga in my hands, and this that's not in here, so it's that's it's an anime only thing, maybe at this point. But at the same time, when the twice stuff happened in the show, it happened early, like out of place in the in the manga, it came earlier, so maybe True. it's just we haven't gotten there yet for some reason. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what what comes of that. Um, yeah, seems like yeah. he's got some some baggage like he's a hard on the outside but but very vulnerable on the inside because of this thing that he's struggling with in it from his past well and that's one of the things i continuously love about this show and i know we've mentioned it a handful of times but the fact that this show is not just about midoriya you know like there it's about class 1a and we are we are slowly even now seeing more and more of these characters backstories i mean it's just cool you know it's like it's nice to have a show where it's not all about one guy and his journey through life. Like it's about all of these people and, and how they are growing together to become heroes. It's, it's, it's neat. I like it. Yeah. And we kind of get back. Um, Amajiki is also getting thanked, but he doesn't like it. He's like pulling his hood down over his face, but he's also still kind of embarrassed and frustrated because he's he really still shy. can't use his quirk. Yeah. And, and he says, like, stopping a hero from using his quirk has got to be, like, one of the worst things that can, you can possibly do to a hero. It's kind of like, um, this kind of made me think of, you remember Syndrome from The Incredibles? Oh, dude, like we his watched plan. that movie, like, three nights ago. 
It's so good. It is. Um, and his whole plan is if everybody's super, then no one is. Right. It seems kind of like, I mean, this it isn't going to have the everyone scale that Syndromes does, but uh, part of Overhaul's plan is to basically, I mean, he's thinking big. He's like, I can just take the quirks off of heroes. And I think that, you know, right now in this stage, eventually Amajiki gets his, his uh, quirk, the ability to access his quirk back later. But the heroes are rightly concerned that maybe that won't always be the case if they are allowed to continue to develop and whatever was in that dart. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that it would wreak some serious havoc. And I mean, you got to think about it, like, the majority of these people that are pro-heroes or want to be heroes, their entire personality and drive for life is based around their quirk. So if you take that away, I mean, look at what All Might's going through right now. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. He's got to be dealing with some serious mental health issues. I mean, he's been doing something really well for most of his life, and he no longer has the ability to do that. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be on the up and up of becoming a pro hero. Like, you're right there at graduation, and all of a sudden, like, your knees get cut out from under you pretty much. You know, and that's a possibility now. This is something these heroes have to worry about. They could lose their sense of self within two seconds, and all they have to do is get shot by a dart. And, and not many of them would have seen it coming or have the, ability, the defensive capabilities of somebody like Kirishima to prevent that dart from finding a purchase. And as soon as it does, they're one of the 20%. Right. Um, which is frightening. And most of them aren't training for quirkless battle. You know, they're oh, training yeah. to hone their skills with their quirk as an, as an assumption, as a guarantee. And so this is going to radically change battlefields and possibly even mentalities. I mean, like, if, if this is a thing that they know is out there, is that going to change how the teachers at UA begin training their students? Like, hey, you can't just rely upon your quirk now. Right, right. I am interested, did you, uh, what did you think about Amajiki's outfit? Like, his hero outfit? I thought it was pretty cool looking. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's a hood uh, with, like, a weird thing over it he's kind of got he's, something doesn't he have something hanging around his neck too yeah maybe i don't know it's kind of like this like white golden laced cowl almost i thought it was cool i was like, like it I has say, nothing to do with this quirk but it looked well, neat i will say this i'm willing to bet so underneath his hood he's got a bunch of like tack pouches i'm willing to bet that every one of them has got a bunch of food in it and that's totally going to be, you remember how Ida was like, part of the hero is making sure, you know, and we, we made the joke about what's in all of the heroes' pouches is food. Yeah. I bet Amajiki's actually is full of food. Huh. I, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, actually, because I wonder, like, how long he's able to retain his, like, clam hands and tentacle fingers. You know what I mean? Like, does it, once his food is digested, does he no longer have the ability to pull from those properties? Yeah, and I wonder, like, if he just tosses back a chicken nugget in, in, on an empty stomach, would he automatically be able to manifest it? That would be, only if that were true, would his pouches be full of food. I'm assuming that some, it happens relatively quickly. Yeah. Or at the very least, he's very peckish. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like a, I mean, I realize that this is obviously an anime, but he's kind of like an anime animal man. You know Animal Man from DC, uh, Buddy Baker? I do a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what he is, uh, so that's kind of neat. We get to, uh, I think we kind of already talked about the fact that Fat Gum is like, well, I've, I've worked with drugs before, but it's always been quirk enhancement, not prevention or, or nullification, so he's, he's kind of worried about this. Um, and then they ba we basically get credits, and then we get this, this really cool after credit scene. I really, I super 
liked this after credit scene. I mean, it was, it was just kind of one of those like heartfelt moments, if that makes sense. And it wasn't even an emotional thing. It's just a very, imagine if you're one of these kids, right? You're out there, you, you're doing hero work really for the first time, and you get this level of recognition where your face, your hero name are on the internet and people are talking about you, like how big of an experience that, have to, that has to have been for them. They've been in the news before, generally probably as a group, like Class 1A at the USJ and, uh, you know, whatever it is. But they, they start showing their phones to one another where, like, Red Riot is in the news and Gravity and Floppy's names are, are on the, you know, Yahoo news page and all this stuff. And I just really liked this scene. It's like, it's very much how teens would respond to this. It'd be like, dude, one of my classmates, you were on the, you were on the news. Did you see that? And then they're like showing that to one another. It just felt very real to me, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have to say, like, I've kind of resonated with that scene a little bit because, you know, getting into podcasting and whatnot, it, it can be difficult. It, it's a lot of investment to figure out how everything works and how to get your feed submitted and whatnot. And whenever we've done a podcast and then like I've stumbled across articles about our podcast before, I mean, heck, even Nerds on Earth did an article about one of our older podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy cow, like there's people out there and they recognize us. And like, it's just <laughs> so cool, you know, like it, it really is like, it's an awesome feeling. So I totally get that. I've been in a room full of people I've worked on a project with and see it be publicly recognized. And it's just like, man, that's cool. You know? So I, yeah, I, I love that scene. And I also love that our class rep, Ida was there and was like, Hey, you know, it's great. You guys are being recognized, but uh, let's get back to studying. Yeah. And that Bakugo is still like super upset like, that he's not the out background. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to get his limelight though. It'll be there. It's, he'll, he'll be, he'll be super special one day. I'm sure. I'm sad that like Todoroki wasn't, in this scene, like yeah. in Bakugo's ear going, man, we really need to catch up to them. Like he did in that one. <laughs> that would have been funny yeah. if they had brought that joke back out. I would have laughed much harder than that. That would have been awesome. That would have been a really nice callback. Where was yeah. Toads in this episode? We didn't see him at all. I don't know. He was not, I don't even remember seeing him in the classroom, just like no. as a background prop or something. So. I don't, I don't, I didn't see, I don't remember seeing him either. So he must've been like hanging out somewhere. Possibly. Or in the restroom, you know, they kids pee. That's true. So. But for the 30 minute episode. I mean, they were only in the classroom for like the last two minutes of it. That's true. That's true. Well, and we didn't see like, we didn't see a lot of those kids. They were hanging out in the dorm room, but I'm sure they, they've got other stuff going on too. So yeah. Was Todoroki there when uh, he had his little flashback about hanging out with Bakugo and them? Was he in that scene? I don't scene? think so. I think it was just Bakugo, Kirishima, Kaminari was there. And I know that because I made a note. Uh, I don't remember exactly what was said, but Kirishima was kind of throwing a little bit of lighthearted shade at Kaminari. Uh, and he, he was said like, he wasn't going to charge his phone anymore. Yeah, he was like, all right, I'll yeah. never charge your phone again. That's and right. I just, I, I love the fact. Was there too, I think. Yeah, I think he was. But I love the fact that uh, Kaminari has like practical applications for his quirk. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody wants to take advantage of on yeah. the regs. Can you imagine going camping with that guy? You wouldn't need like half of the stuff that you typically would if you were going to go be without electricity. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You've got your own little generator right there. Well, we pick up um, in episode 69. That's kind of the end. I mean, you get Deku who is thinking about Aerie again at the very end of um, 68, but that comes more to the forefront, I think, in episode 69. And there's this really awkward, like the beginning of episode 69, which is called An Unpleasant Talk, is kind of awkward to me. I I thought it was super a strange intro where they're all like, oh, what a coincidence. You're going into your internship or your work study today too. Oh, what a coincidence. You're getting on the same train. Oh, what a coincidence. You're getting off on the same stop. Oh, what a coincidence. You're walking in the same building. I'm like, all right, all right, we get it. Like the ki- how, 
you don't have to tell us that they're all going to the same spot. Just have them get there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and on top of that, like, I, whether or not they all knew they were going at the same time did not affect the way the episode played out at all. You know right. what I mean? It just felt, yeah. it felt really weird and forced. It was strange. But uh, this is that matter that uh, the Ryukyu lady had mentioned, um, that there's going to be this big meeting, a meeting of the minds, a bunch of pro heroes, uh, many of whom we're familiar with, some of whom we're not, um, that are gathering together. And Sir Nighteye lets them know that they're getting together to put their heads together over this Shiei Hasaikai intelligence they've gathered recently in some, uh, some concerns that are growing out of their contact with the League of Villains, uh, and now with the introduction of this drug that they uh, also think is connected to the Shiei Saikai somehow. They don't have, like, direct ties right now, I don't think, um, but they, they're, they're fairly confident that all of this stuff is, is all tied up together. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they make a mention of how they're like, you know, we don't necessarily think the Shiei Hasaikai are dealing the drugs themselves, but they're definitely in contact with some middleman and they've got this really cool visual where they show like branches of all the different organizations and connections and how the, I guess, drugs flow from like the market to the people. I thought it was kind of a really cool visual that they came up with. Speaking of visuals, this is, uh, Oh, this, this is, is it. This is it. I know what you're going to say. It's, it's totally it. the centipede guy. Isn't yes. It? <laughs> yes. There are not many things in, in this world that will give me pause. Like I'm not easily like jump scared. There's not many things that I'll straight up tell you I'm afraid of. Centipedes are a legitimate fear of mine. And it's because like most people are just like, whatever, you can step on them. They're a bug. I'm like, some of them snatch bats out of the air when they're flying and then eat them. Yeah. That's, that's something to be afraid of as far as I'm concerned. Well, and this guy is super creepy in general. And I guess he's Sir Night Eye's sidekick. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yes, he was the other. So like in one of the earlier episodes, Sir Night Eye says that he already had an intern and then two sidekicks or two other people working for his agency. We already knew Bubble Girl was one of the two and okay. that Mirio was the student. Um, so the centipede is the other person. So well, and it, for some reason, he sounds like he's talking on helium. I, I suspect that it's because of the way... He's literally drawn like he's choking himself with his many-legged body around his neck. Well, so I have a theory about that. So okay. he's drawn really strangely. Like, if you look at him, his head is like the centipede head, and then the body's, like, wrapped around his neck like a scarf, right? Right, right. But he's wearing, like, a suit, like, almost, like, compressed. Like, he's wearing, like, a suit, and he has these white hand gloves, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm convinced that those are actually all of his legs bundled up together inside of that suit. Does so that make he's sense? just one giant centipede? Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I think his head all wrapped up is so that way his legs can all be kind of bundled together, and he's just got a suit wrapped around them, which is why he wears gloves. I don't <laughs> think that's an actual body. I, like, at the moment, I'm convinced he's just a big centipede. He's weirdly articulate with his fingers, if that's true, but uh, maybe we'll find out. Well, that's I because find each out. finger is an individual leg. I see, I see. Well, how's he going to get his body to bend down there to just have legs at his fingers and then come back up his arm? I, I think know. your I think your theory has a lot of holes. It does, but it's still valid <laughs> for now. Um, I did find out that there is a name for fear of centipedes. It's scolopendrophobia. Oh, that's or, a good one. Ch- or chilopodophobia. Scolopendro, I think, is the genus of um, all things with many legs, maybe, or at huh. least for centipedes. That's interesting. So, anyway, yeah, this person's super creepy. If if I saw this thing in public. For like in real life, 
I would not let it rescue me. I'd just be like, no, thanks. I'll die here. Fine. <laughs> what do you um, think his quirk is? I think he's just a giant centipede. Okay, yeah, I kind maybe of think so can, too. Maybe he can bite things and inject them with venom and just generally give everybody the creeps when he walks into a room. Yeah, because um, this isn't the first time we've seen a pro hero or even a villain that is basically just a human morphed into an animal and has like that animal's properties. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But this is certainly the creepiest one. Yeah, he's, it's, it's the worst. Um, but he gets up and starts making this presentation, um, and he says that for the last year that they've increased their, the Shiai Saikai have increased their contact with people outside of their organization. Um, so they're building a network, and I just have in my notes, they found the Shiai Hasaikai LinkedIn page. And <laughs> as I was making that joke in my notes, they start talking about the HN Hero oh, yeah. Network. Yeah, which is basically <laughs> Facebook for heroes. Facebook for heroes. And I was <laughs> like, dang it, that kind of buries my LinkedIn joke, yeah. because now it has the Facebook one right next to it. But anyway, um, then there's this guy who I really dislike, who's sitting in this meeting, who looks like Lucio from Overwatch. And he just starts like naysaying everything he starts whining about why there are kids in the room and it turns out this guy's name is Rocklock, and i already dislike him yeah he reminds me of like an old i can't remember which fighter it is but there's an old nes game that's like uh uh mike Pi- mike tyson's punch out and he mm-hmm. looks like one of the fighters from that game to me well he i mean it's not like he's hopeless because i really if you listen back to like the first episode of the almighty podcast i really didn't like um Ida like at, at all. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So maybe this know. guy can redeem himself, but for this entire scene, he's a giant ass. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not. He just, he's not very pleasant at all. Yeah, he's just super aggressive and whiny about stuff. I don't know. I don't like him right now, and I'm just going to yeah. say that on record. But they start talking about um, these these drugs, and he starts growing concerned about whether kids should be listening in on this. Fat Gum explains that Kirishima and Amajiki are like they have like firsthand experience with this stuff. And so that they should absolutely be in here for this conversation and goes into a little bit more um, detail about his, his work, fat gums work with drugs um, and talks about how it destroys quirks. And there's this really funny scene where Mirio is immediately concerned for Amajiki. He's like, what are you okay? Cause apparently he doesn't know that Amajiki has like, has was able to recover his quirks. So Mirio is immediately upset and is like going to be the comforting presence to Amajiki, but who just holds up this like cow hoof hand and he's like, it's fine. I went to sleep and I'm, you know, look at this cow hoof. I think is what he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really strange. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, Did you they, notice they, that uh, Sukoichi isn't there? And Gran Torino kind of makes a mention of like, yeah, he's busy doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He just says that he's looking into some other, um, eyewitnesses or something like that. It just seems like you would want the like lead investigator for the League of Villains issues to be in on this. You know what I mean? That's true. I mean, Gran Torino is there as a proxy at minimum. I guess. um, Yeah. I just assumed he was there as a pro hero. Yeah. Um, so then they turn to eraser because they're like, how is this different from your quirk? If at all. And so eraser head, Aizawa spent some time talking about how his quirk, basically temporarily stops the quirk genes from working. Like it's almost like beta blockers or something. He basically mentions that he can suppress the quirk genes from expressing their abilities. Yeah, but he doesn't do any damage to the genes themselves. Right. But he like turns them off and on. Yeah. 
but they found out after examining Amajiki that his cork gene his cork genes were damaged. Now, not severely or irreparably, because whatever damage was done, he was able to recover. Possibly, maybe I think octopuses don't they have like crazy good healing factor? Maybe, I think so maybe so. He, maybe all that takoyaki um, helped him fix his genes. That's interesting. Um, I, I didn't, for some reason I assumed he just took on the physical properties. I didn't think he would also acquire their like abilities, like, like a healing factor or something. That's kind of neat. I hadn't considered I, that. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Sure, I mean, it sure. could, it could be that, I mean, if it is that, then the hero side of this conversation might be overlooking a detail that is important to this investigation. If it isn't that, then it's just what it appears to be on the page, which is just that, um, it doesn't have the efficacy that they should be, or it doesn't have the permanent damage efficacy yet, but they are definitely worried about it. Yeah, no, I definitely got the impression that the issue that they were running into with this was that they think that it may be like basically the watered down or like the samples, like they haven't gotten a full yeah. product out yet, you know, like a, they're, they're just kind of testing the waters to see what, what it can do at the moment before they get a solidified like final formula. Yeah, it's either that or it's still being refined. Right. And so like this this isn't this probably isn't product like 1.0. This is probably 1.7 or 8 and they're they're fearing 2.0 hitting the shelves right, that right. that does significant damage or possibly permanently disables a quirk. I think that's one of the biggest fears that they start vocalizing here as well, but they they recovered the dart that bounced off of Kirishima and had it analyzed and fat gum reports that inside of it. So the thing that was injected into compress, the thing that got injected into uh, Amajiki, it, it contained human blood. And like human cells of that dart. too, yeah. Yeah, which immediately I was like, it's Ares. Because I think we had talked about what it is they could possibly be harvesting from her because of her bandages and that weird chair yep. in our last episode. And now we have a fairly good idea of what, what could be going down. Um, so this is very, very ominous and fat gum is pissed about this. I mean, he is just over the moon upset about the implications of there being like biological, not for, not for like contamination's sake, but because it means that somebody is probably this, this stuff has got to be coming from somewhere or someone and, right. um, yeah, it, it's not, it's not looking good. I mean, we, we might know more than he does with, with the airy, but I think that they, certainly start getting into it um, about her specifically here in just a second. Well, yeah, for sure. Cause they, they actually mention like that they believe that these, you know, darts and this, that this formula is tied back to the Shia Saikai. And I don't know who it was, but one of the heroes is like, okay, well where, you know, you just pulling that out of nowhere because there's like no concrete evidence for that at all. Like, sure. They're bad guys, but why would you say it's them? And this is when Sir Night Eye is like, okay, well, <laughs> Proof number one, here's this guy, Chisaki, or Overhaul. Uh, he is the basically the you know ringleader of the Shea Saikai, and he has the quirk to break down and rebuild matter, uh, which seems pretty crazy. Uh, and so he kind of introduces the idea that you know they believe that Overhaul is using his daughter, Eerie, to make the bullets, and even possibly giving them out as samples already. So, you know, we we are aware that this is all happening and that, you know. Sir Night Eye is kind of under the impression that his daughter has some sort of quirk that's helping aid this formula creation. Mm -hmm. And then this is where, you know, Midori and Mirio, of course, are just like totally losing it. They're super upset. I mean, they, they both want to be able to protect this kid and save her from this situation. 
and they both had different ideas on how to do it. And Night Eye brings this up, and you know, this is again where Rocklock is just like, okay, yeah, once again, why are there kids here? You know, like you guys should have gotten her the first time. Yeah, and Night Eye is just like it wasn't their fault. That's that's a hundred percent on me for them not snagging Aerie when they had the chance. Uh, and he he even goes so far as to say those two are struggling with this more than anybody in this room. Yeah, because they had they they're the most frustrated people here because they had eyes on, they had the ability or the opportunity at least to intervene, um, but they didn't. They're the ones who are taking this the hardest. And um, you know, both Mirio and. Midoriya then stand up and they're like, we'll save her next time for sure. And Night Eye's like, well, yeah, that's our goal. You know, we, and we only get one chance at this. Apparently they've managed to, to rustle up uh, the location of 10 possible places where the Shia Saikai might be holed up. And um, they've put together in this room as they're talking out loud that each of these locations, they're like pro heroes from each of those areas because they re- wanted to recruit people that were familiar with those areas to, to get in there and investigate and not not look like they were importing these heroes, but which would possibly be suspicious to a vigilant group like the Yakuza is. Right. Um, but this plan seems way too slow for Fat Gum. And he gets like up in Night Eye's face and he's like, this is way too slow. We just need to rush in there and take care of this right now. But Night Eyes explains that they have to put together and analyze and predict and try to make the greatest possible chance of saving her, like to get it as close to 100% as possible because they're only going to get one shot at it. Yeah, and he even um, makes the mention of like, look, we can't do this like All Might would. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And, and he, I think Gran Torino says something like, listen, if, if we rush in there and we screw this up, then it's going to be stain all over again. It's going to serve as like kindling for a big movement. Um, and just like stain served as an ad for the League of Villains, if if the villain population at large sees us really concerned about whatever the Shia Hisaikai are up to, it's, it's basically like a commercial for what they're up to. Yep. And they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to do that. Well, and this is the moment where Azawa starts asking what I considered the important questions because he wants basically like a breakdown of Night Eye's quirk. Cause he, he makes a mention of like, well, why, you know, your quirk allows you to see into the future. Why don't you just read all of our futures and help us figure out what we need to do? And we finally get some answers here. I was pretty stoked about this. This is the only part of the episode I really enjoyed because the rest of it just felt like season three or season four recap. Uh, But I mean, they basically breaks down that his quirk is actually limited to once every 24 hours. So he can only use it on one person every 24 hours. And then he's just pretty much spent. And he makes a mention that the future is played out in his mind like a movie. So he sees the like film strip basically. And it sounded like he could rewind and fast forward as well. So he can right. go into the future as far as he wants or go into the past or rewatch the same bit over and over and over, I guess, to probably find like small details. But he says the issue is, is that his perspective is so narrow to the individual that he touches and looks into their eyes that he can't really provide super detailed context. Like, you know, he's basically like, I can tell you details about yourself, but have no way of telling you anything uh, surrounding that. And Aizawa is like, well, I don't understand why you can't go ahead and do it. And I think this is the first time we see that maybe Night Eye is actually really plagued by his quirk, or at least plagued by the previous use of his quirk on All Might, because he makes the mention of like, well, what what would I do if I see that you're going to die, or that you're going to have a horribly merciless, gruesome ending to your life, and there's no way I can stop it. So at first, I really didn't like him saying that, that he didn't want to do it because what if I saw your death? But the more like paired, 
pairing his explanation with this greater detail of how his quirk actually works, I think it makes way more sense than I, than I gave it initial credit for because he talks about how what he sees is from the person's perspective. So imagine being basically in VR and experiencing in virtual reality is essentially or effectively a gruesome death. Like how since like how that would totally overwhelm and just wreck you when it, as far as your senses are concerned, how, how overwhelming that has to be. Yeah. No and joke. He's, and we'll, he's, he's done it once and he doesn't much care to do it again is, is what he's getting at. And not only and that, but, knows that, right. And not only that, but imagine having the ability to play that over in your head over and over and over. Not that that's his quirk, but I mean, he remembers it. So it's not like he's going to forget anytime soon experiencing somebody else's death. Right. Yeah. I can't and imagine. And this is when Lucio pu- What's his name? Not Lucio. Rocklock. Rocklock. <laughs> he pops back up, and I just have, he's officially the worst in my notes, because he's like, use it on me. I'll show you that uh, whatever whatever life's got in store for me, I'll avoid it. And Night Eye yeah. is just like, I can't. And that, I mean, that shuts it down. He's just like, listen, you're, I can't do it. Um, so he's, he feels limited. I mean, he wants to use his quirk effectively, and that means that they need to narrow down the possibilities first. And that makes sense. Like, and I think Aizawa would be totally fine with this, uh, with this explanation, because initially Aizawa was like, it's only logical to use your quirk to this advantage unless I'm misunderstanding it. But now I think that Night Eyes has explained how his quirk actually works and given Aizawa new information to consider that Aizawa would be totally on Team Night Eye when it comes to um, what's the best method to proceed from here. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think he even proves that in this next scene that we get, because it's it's really kind of a heart-touching scene, or heartfelt scene. I mean, there's this moment where all the kids, uh, Mirio, Amajiki, Hado, all of them, including Midoriya and uh, Kirishima, are sitting there, and they're they're talking amongst themselves about this issue with the Shia Saikai and this plan, and how they're going to move forward, and what they're going to do, and uh, Razorhead walks in and, and it was interesting because they all address him as Mr. Aizawa and he's like, no, we're not at school. I'm a Razorhead. Like, we're all professionals here now. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool because I felt like that was a, le- a level of respect. You know, like, hey, you can call me a Razorhead here. Like, I'll call you, uh, you know, your hero names. And he, he's talking to Midoriya and he just straight up tells him, he's like, look, man, you know, I, I was really considering suspending all of your all's work studies because the League of Villains are involved. And I really don't want you guys involved with them, and I don't feel like I can trust you. You've not proven to me that you can trust... You've not proven to me that I can trust you yet, and specifically to Midoriya. And he's like, you know, all I, all I can see is you just making a rash decision and running off on your own. And he tells him that he wants to see this through with him and help Midoriya use his head. Like, let's do this together. Let's do it right. We have to get this right this time. You cannot just run off and make these rash decisions. And then he, like bumps his chest like just kind of like lightly punches him like i know you can do it man and i thought that was such a cool little scene between the two of them i liked it too um he even calls midoriya you little troublemaker right right is in and of itself is an is a gesture of like intimacy you know like you don't just run around calling people uh you know nicknames like that and let you know, unless you genuinely don't remember their name and you're like, hey, buckaroo, you know, but this is this is a term of endearment and familiarity. And he's like, listen, um, 
if I, if I took you guys out of your work studies, I would all but guarantee that you would go and do this on your own anyway. So how about we do this differently together by the book, you and me, let's do this. You know, we're yeah. a team. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this scene a lot, um, particularly because it featured Aizawa and he's the best. Sure, that's fair enough. And at the same time, there's also this, I would consider it a parallel scene happening um, where Hato is trying to perk Mirio up a little bit. Like they're all kind of freaking out that he's kind of down in the dumps and they've never seen Mr. Sunshine acting like that. Um, but she looks at him and he's, she's like, listen, you know, you, your, your depression isn't going to change anything. Like you need to face forward. You need to get going, pick yourself up. Let's, let's do this. Like you can, you can be in your sads all you want, but that doesn't change anything. We need to just do this thing. And uh, Aizawa at the same time is telling Midoriya, like the hand you miss doesn't necessarily mean that area is doomed. We just got to, we just got to move forward and do this. Um, So they're both getting, you know, similar conversations are taking place at both of these tables. And I really like that. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice parallel there. We also get another scene with uh, Gran Torino and Night Eye where they're following up between the two of them. And, you know, Gran Torino kind of makes the gesture that he actually sent Midoriya to Night Eye's agency to try to get Night Eye and, and uh, All Might to, like, resolve their issues. And Night Eye's picking up on this and he's like, Did you do that? And he goes, You know, sometimes it's the old person's job to try and teach the youngster something and, and, like, help them with their their problems, I guess. And I thought that was kind of a sweet scene between the two of those guys. Yeah, I agree. And it and it seemed like Night Eye was a little less aggressive towards the idea of Midoriya during that scene too. Yeah, definitely. Because he Grant Torino asks him, so he says something like, So what do you think about the kid? And Night Eye mentions that he sees All Might inside of him. Like he's got that same drive that I just don't understand. You know, but it's yeah, there. Yeah. And the madness inside him, I think, is what he yeah, refers to. Yeah, that's to what it he as. calls it. Which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, it, it's neat that these people that have worked with All Might are starting to see that Midoriya has that in him, even if he represents it differently. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I love it, man. It was, a, it was a good ending to the, the episode that I felt like, for the most part, was pretty slow. I agree. And um, the after credits picks up a little bit. It's a very short scene. Yeah, it was creepy. Um, Aerie is in her little room and she's surrounded with all these toys. And this guy who I have in my notes has Kaminari hair. <laughs> he kind of does have Kaminari hair. They're brothers. Um, but he walks in <laughs> to check on her. And apparently he's like her new caretaker because her last caretaker was, last we heard, he had to be cleaned up out of the hallways. Yeah. Because um, Overhaul just like made some, you know, surreal art with him um, last time in, in a couple episodes ago, maybe. But. He's like, you know, you can trust me. It's fine. I'm not here to hurt you. Why don't you play with these toys? But like internally, he's like, if listen, like if you don't stay here and act happy, then they're going to be mopping me off the walls next. Yeah, like he and, just doesn't uh, want to die himself. Yeah. And uh, so he's apparently this new like caretaker. But the, the meat, the best part, I mean, I don't know if that guy's going to amount to anything, but the best part about this particular I'm gonna, scene I'm going to interrupt Harry, you real quick because I'm going to agree that I don't think he'll amount to anything simply because the subtitles called him Caretaker 69A. Okay. <laughs> so he's an unnamed caretaker. Yeah, totally unnamed, yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't see that in the, in the Hulu subtitles. So I, That just makes me wonder, did, he, did she have 68 other caretakers before him? Oof. You know what I mean? Like they, because they couldn't have just pulled that number out of nowhere. Well, sixty-eight is a low ball if they're doing letters too. Well, you know, that's, that's 20, true. Twenty-six times twenty uh, times sixty-eight. Yeah, yeah, uh, no joke. That's a lot. That is a lot. But anyways, um, as you were saying, <laughs> yeah. 
the best part of this, the the real the real meat of this scene is Aerie is kind of thinking to herself about the contact that she had with Midoriya, and it's so sad. Yeah, it's it's, it's so extremely man. sad because she's like, no one has ever touched me like that before. His hands were kind, and I was just like, ah, that is so sad because I'm thinking about this little kid who's never been held protectively, has never been held gently, has never been embraced in any meaningful way has probably only ever been led around by the hand and not as a gesture of um of affection but of of one of captivity and so i was like ah i mean i was totally uh this this scene got me a little bit i mean i didn't cry or anything but i was like dang this that is heavy and it's that's dark in the episode <laughs> yeah it's super yeah. dark man I, like this was one of the darker moments of the show for sure I am curious, do you still think that she is actually Chisaki's daughter or Overhaul's daughter? Because Nine Eyes seems to be pretty convinced. Yeah, I think there's more... I didn't think that on first watch, like our first introduction to her, yeah, I was very suspicious of the way that he used that term. Me too. Like I think but, we were both on kind of the side that he was probably lying to them. But I'm of the opinion now that if Chisaki, if Overhaul could use his own blood to do what he needs to do with the darts, then he wouldn't need Aerie. So I wonder who it is that he's paired himself with biologically and what that quirk is that, that makes Aerie's blood the proper mixture, or whatever you want to call it, uh, to, to have these darts do what it is that they need to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering what Aerie's quirk is. And, and man, it, it had to have developed pretty young. I mean, we've been told that quirks seem to develop around four or five and she seems like she's right at four or five so yeah. either it developed young or this is a new development for her and overhaul you know but I, i'm just curious what it is about her blood that causes quirk gene damage i mean that's that's pretty serious you know yeah the only other thing i thought might might be a possibility is if she isn't actually his daughter but she has some sort of biological agent in her blood that, when mixed with his, does whatever the dart needs to do. Like yeah. They figured out your quirk plus her quirk that is separate from yours entirely. When, when they're combined, they do what we want these darts to do. That's a possibility. Um, but the way that they were all continued kind of referring to him as a daughter or to her as his daughter makes me think that there's there's a greater possibility. I, I didn't dismiss it offhand like I did um, the first time that we met Aerie, and he was like, oh, this is my daughter. I was like, that's BS, that's a cover, you know? Totally. Um, but the, the way that they talked about it in this episode, I was like, okay, maybe she is. And, and then that had me thinking about, well, who's the mom, and what was her quirk, and what does that make her quirk? You know, what's that make Aerie's quirk, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I was a, kind of in the same boat. Like, after this episode, I'm like, okay, I could, I could see that, but I do like what you proposed, because we know that Overhaul's quirk is to break down and rebuild matter, so... Maybe he also has the ability to control how far he goes. I mean, we saw him break down that one dude all over the wall, so he never put right. him back together. But I wonder if he has the ability to, like, his, his quirk is what's breaking down the quirk genes, and maybe her quirk is either what's identifying them or allowing his quirk to interact with other people remotely. You know what I mean? Ooh. If it was able... Okay, so maybe she's like Caliban, like Caliban. Kind of, yeah, and, uh, exactly. Yeah, X Men was able to like sniff out mutants, right. Somehow or could detect them. Um, so maybe because I think 
we have seen him break somebody down, but then also reassemble them. That's what happened with the Reservoir Dogs, where they were all... One of them's face was melded onto a tire somehow. That's right. And later on, they were all cured of even their scoliosis and cavities. See, I assumed he did that because he's like kind of OCD about things. Like he wants everything to be clean. In fact, there's a Mm -hmm. scene where Shigaraki's talking to him and he puts his feet up on the table. And he's like, yeah, could you not do that? You're going to get the table dirty. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder if she's able. That's that's a curious theory. If if something in her genes if something in her quirk makes her able to uh like pinpoint the quirk gene could be and then his quirk is basically breaking down the gene itself it also makes me wonder if he isn't just going after heroes like what if he wants to get rid of everybody's quirks like he's like a cleaner you know what i mean like he's so because he keeps talking about how he wants things to be clean i could see Mm -hmm. him being one of those like radicals that's just like you know what let's get rid of all the quirks nobody should have them even though i've got one myself I'm going to use my quirk to make everything clean again. So like part, okay. So then you would be taking his cleanliness to a, a real extreme where yeah. he perceives quirks as something dirty and unrefined. Um, and that he, his goal isn't just to, uh, you know, to rob the heroes of them, but to rob everybody of them. I can see because that. Because it is a genetic defect. Yeah. Like, it's it's an imperfection. Exactly, yeah. I could totally see that. It would be a fun twist for his character, for sure. But that being said, I feel like, did the Reservoir Dogs have quirks? And if they did, whenever they were reconfigured, were they without them? You know what I mean? Because that would be, like, the smoking gun for me. If If they were without their quirks, but genetically everything else was fine, like their cavities were fixed and stuff, I would totally be like, all right, this guy just wants to eradicate, yeah. eradicate quirks. I mean, one of them at least had a physical quirk. He was weird looking. Yeah, I remember he did have, he have a weird look. He still was weird looking when they, uh, when they uh, brought him back. But that so. may be uh, like kind of a uh, misdirection because we know that physical quirks are not taken away by Azawa's traits either. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember seeing any of their stuff showcased, but a couple of them had physical... Like, one of them, I'm looking at a picture of them now, one of them has super tall, pointy ears. The other one looks like a weird, naked cat man with a Frosty the Snowman nose, but that could also be part of his mask. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but there's definitely some fun things to think about. Uh, There's another fun thing that I do want to mention, because I decided to go in and check out our Discord real quick. So Coder Mike, one of the guys that's been hanging out with us, had mentioned that, you know, during the scene where all of those people, all the heroes are sitting around, he was like, you know, I wonder which one of them is Toga, because that could totally be Toga in one of those scenes. How crazy would that be? Yep, it's it's always a possibility now with her. And if you're a subscriber to the theory, I think we talked about this theory at one point that Hagakure is the uh, is the infiltrator or is the uh, traitor. Yeah, yeah, that was one one we talked about. Yeah, that she could just always be in any scene, always. Um, that'll be one of those things where, especially in this scene, it would be really hard to say, like, well, I think such and such is, because there wasn't a whole bunch of interaction amongst all of the heroes. And so she would have been really easy to blend in if she was one of those C-team villains from one of the 10 locations that were only there because they were from that location, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree, because most of those heroes were pretty, like, I would call them generic looking, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell they're not yeah. main characters because they just don't stand out. Uh, but it was kind of a fun theory. I'm like, yeah, I could see that. And I think it was in this episode that Gran Torino reinforced everything we've said for, I don't know, probably since episode one. He was like, eh, in a world full of quirks, what are you going to do? Like, anything can happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he used it in reference to evil. Yeah. 
you know, to, to putting blood or human cells inside of this dart. Somebody's disturbed by that. And Gran Torino is just like, listen, in the world that we live in, everything is possible, not just for the positive side, but for the, for the evil things. We shouldn't be surprised by the depths and the depravity that the bad guys are willing to go to in order to be victorious or to order to get what they want. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, it's fun to have in episode characters confirm exactly what we feel about this because I'm at a point now where like anything could happen and I'll just blame it on a quirk. Yeah. But man, I think that that wraps us up for these, these two episodes. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I know they were really good episodes. I'm, I, uh, I really enjoyed being back into the show. The, the manga has been strong as well. Um, they're running side by side right now and episode 70 is already out. And I think by the time that this episode goes live, episode 71 will also be out. So hopefully we'll get another episode of the AMP up a week from today as you're listening uh, the following Monday. We should have two Almighty Mondays in a row. So yeah. stay tuned. It was fun, man. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we got to talk again. And I can't wait to talk about 70 and 71. It's, uh, I think we're about to see some, some crazy stuff happen here. I think so. I think so. I'm excited. Me too. Looking forward to Me it. Me too. All right, guys. Have a good one. See ya. All my podcast is brought to you by Black Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at All My Pod or follow at Black Patio Network. All that is new. If you enjoy what you heard, go check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Back Patio Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out on our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Simso. S-I-M-S-O.